Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Are you looking for the perfect way to take your brand to the next level? Want to reach a dedicated, engaged audience that's all ears? With audiohook.com, you can do just that. Audiohook is the premier podcast advertising platform, connecting advertisers with some of the best podcasts in the world. Audiohook uses advanced targeting techniques to ensure your message reaches the right ears at the right time. With detailed analytics, you'll be able to track your campaign's performance and optimize your strategy for maximum impact. Plus, their team of experts are there every step of the way, providing guidance and support to make your campaign a success. So, whether you're a startup, a small business owner, or a marketing pro, Audiohook is your one-stop shop for podcast advertising success. Head over to audiohook.com to start your journey today. Boom! Bosco's Boys is here. I think we all wanted it. And the marriage is officially official. I'm so pumped to bring my show to the 1012 Network, Bosco's Boys, the most consistent K-State podcast out there. Over four years with at least one episode a week. Bringing live shows to the listeners and to the participants every Wednesday at 7 p.m. I'm pumped to be here and I would love it if you guys came over to Bosco's Boys and gave us a listen. Because we are not Big J Journos. This is a podcast by a fan and his dog for fellow K-State and Big 12 fans. And I can't wait to chop it up with all the members and fans of the 1012 Network. Recapping two fantastic senior nights for the Kansas Jayhawks. Both teams won in very uh, electrifying and very uh, nerve-wracking games to be able to get themselves set up for a very good NCAA tournament run, get themselves ready for the Big 12 tournament that's coming up. Both the Kansas men and women are on the road to finish out the season, but instead we're going to go ahead and focus on what just happened with the senior nights because Kansas... Men are playing a not quite inconsequential, but it's not going to matter for the Big 12 title um, game against Texas. 
with Texas falling to TCU. And then on the women's side, they are going to TCU on Saturday in a game that uh, probably will not have any impact on the actual seeding. They'll be playing TCU and then most likely having to turn around and play TCU in the first round of the NCAA tournament. I'm sorry, of the Big 12 tournament as well, just the way that the seedings are set up right now. So instead, let's focus on these games that they already played because we had some fantastic performances. We had some really, really fun basketball to watch. Kyle Davis will be joining me in the second segment to talk about the men's. But I'm going to start here with the women's because I was at the women's, actually got to watch what they were doing. And a a few things kind of jumped out to me really early in this one. First to start, Holly Kurzgeter did not start for this game. She's still working her way back from concussion symptoms, was still having to kind of deal with the after effects of that. And you could tell when she got into the game finally, um, well, I say finally, but, but, you know, she got in three minutes into the game, came in for, for Sonna Strom, who, who started, um, you know, she was able to kind of do some of the things, but she shied away from contact. Um, you know, she had some, some issues, I think, trying to get in front of people as well as she normally does. Um, you could just tell that she was a little bit, a little bit slow compared to what she normally is. And, and coach Snyder, you know, kind of talked about afterwards that they were, you know, she, she was on a minutes restriction. They were really taking care of her, that she was cleared medically to play. She couldn't hurt herself anymore. Or, you know, she wasn't at an increased risk of hurting herself by playing. But the input from her about how she felt and how she thought she was going to be able to go. She didn't want to get herself too worn out, which is completely understandable, especially getting ready to go into tournament time. They wanted to ease her back in. They wanted to give her an opportunity. They did pull back her minutes. She only got about 10 minutes less than she would normally get. Um, there were so many stoppages in this game, and we'll talk about that in a minute because it was it was kind of ridiculous. Um, but, you know, she was able to kind of stay out there and still feel good over some of those stoppages. Um, Kansas looked really good in this game. Zakaya Franklin scoring a t- career-high 31 points. Um, you know, after she just scored a career-high 30 you know, earlier this season, she had a phenomenal game. She was cutting in all over the place. Um, Iowa State did a good job on Tiana Jackson. She only scored 15, only had eight rebounds, so she didn't get her double-double that we were all hoping that she was going to get to really kind of push that you know record out of reach. Um, whereas on the other side, Ashley Jones had a, a really nice game, 33 points to lead all scorers. Um, but it took her a while to get going because of the defense that Chandler Prater was playing on her. You know, Kansas had a really good game plan to deal with with what Iowa State was trying to do. And in what I did not expect to see, this was a very high scoring game where both teams um, scored a bunch. Kansas winning ninety eight to ninety three, just a ridiculously high score. Um, it was evident pretty early that that both teams were going to be very hot from the field. Yvette Mayberry was you know three of three. Um, from three-point range in the first quarter. It took her a while to actually miss one. You know, Kansas had two other players, including Sophia Telegdi, um, who made multiple three-pointers. You know, this was just kind of a thing where everything started to work offensively for the Jayhawks. They built up a 17-point lead in two different occasions, um, both in the second quarter and then the third quarter. Uh, I'm sorry, the second quarter and then the fourth quarter. And unfortunately, we're not able to keep them in either one. Um, and, and I, I'm sorry, no, it was the third quarter and the fourth quarter that they got to 17 two different times. Um, but Iowa State made a couple comebacks in this game. Um, uh, you know, they really kind of were able to push the advantage that they did have. And the way that this game was being called made it very difficult for Kansas to keep that momentum going. Um, foul trouble was an issue for both teams. Emily Ryan for Iowa State, uh, got into foul trouble pretty early. She only scored two points in this game, um, on, a two-pointer that she had like really late in the game. 
Much like Holly Kurzgeter only scored three points in this game, she had one layup um, and then hit uh, one of two free throws at the very end of the game to score the final point. Um, you know, this was a, a difficult game for the Stars, but Danae Fritz for Iowa State really stepped up, um, had a had a fantastic game, and Kansas was not really able to do much to stop her. Every time she drove to the basket, she seemed to get in there. Much like Jones, uh, you know, Tyana Jackson and Chandler Prater were able to make it very difficult for Jones but there was plenty of times where she got an offensive rebound and was able to kind of keep going. So uh, unfortunately for the Jayhawks, um, they weren't able to get the extremely convincing win, but they were still able to get a really good win against the 14th ranked team in the net as, as uh, you know, Brandon Schneider was, was quick to point out in the postgame press conference. Like this is a very good team that Kansas was able to beat uh, to really bolster their NCAA tournament resume. I think at this point, they're probably a lock for that. And, and, Coach Snyder was willing to admit that, although he said he wasn't going to tell his team that he thinks that. Um, but, you know, this is a team I think that is playing really well. They have really found their stride recently with two good wins against Oklahoma State and Iowa State, two of the top, you know, two two of the upper teams in the conference right now. And, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate because coming into this year, there were expectations for a really good year for the women to build off of what happened last year with Coach Snyder winning Big 12 Coach of the Year. Um, unfortunately that just didn't happen. You know, they had injuries. They had a, a huge step up in competition as the big 12 got better and better. Um, there was just a lot of things that kind of came together to stop them from being able to do what they wanted to do. Um, and to be able to kind of get those things that they needed to compete at the top. There were our, there are, I, I counted them up the other day. I think there was like seven or eight different games where they lost by just barely losing in conference. Um, games that they were in to the end and that they just didn't have the bounces go their way. Um, last year, they didn't have a lot of those games. They either won big or they won, you know, or, or they lost pretty big. They had a few games like the game against Texas down in Austin last year where, you know, they were really close. They had an opportunity and were able to finish it. But for the most part, last year, it was either they surprised a bunch of people um, or teams were able to kind of figure out what they wanted to do. And, and uh, you know, they weren't able to really kind of um, stay in those. Uh, the games that were close last year, Kansas was winning. The games that are close this year, and there's a whole lot more of them, Kansas was struggling and losing this year. So um, sometimes the bounces just go against you. There's not much you can do. But Zakaya Franklin, like I said, 31 points. She was slashing in and out, kind of doing pretty much everything. Um, you know, she was hot from three. Yvette Mayberry was hot from three. Chandler Prater was all over the place. Um, and, and I think what, what, what really stuck out to me in this game was the intensity that we saw from everybody on the court. You know, Iowa State included, but from the Kansas side, you know, you had pretty quickly a situation where Prater gets into foul trouble. You had to bring in, um, you know, Nadir Al-Tayeb, uh, or you had to bring in Sophia Telegdi. Like, you had those situations, and then Jackson gets into foul trouble. At one point in the fourth quarter, you had Al-Tayeb, Telegdi, I believe Franklin, Mayberry, and then uh, uh, I forget, I, I think Sana Strom was on the court. And it's like, that is not a lineup that you typically would expect to see. It's a it's a, a lineup that when you are, you know, seeing it come in, you're like, hey, let's try to limit the damage and just make sure that we kind of hold serve. Um, Brandon said after the game that, you know, he, they got into the huddle for that after that stoppage and basically said, hey, this is a lineup that should be able to increase this lead. And boy, did they ever. Telegi scored eight straight points to start the fourth quarter for the for the Jayhawks. They built the lead back up to 17 at that point. And it was only a very furious rally from Iowa State 
as uh, you know, as Kansas was kind of struggling uh, with some with some fatigue issues and people coming in and you know just trying to get stuff worked out for the end of the game with dealing with foul trouble and everything. Um, and that, that's also when Emily Ryan came back in after she had four fouls early in the second half. Um, you know, and and so Kansas kind of struggled there, but they took their reserves, they took those bench minutes, and they were extremely productive bench minutes, which is something that has bit Kansas this season with how many injuries they have and how many different players have actually been able to to honestly contribute. And so it was good to see them, um, you know, get those sorts of great minutes. Mia Vukic uh, came in, had some good minutes. Sana Strom had some good minutes as the starter, although she didn't play nearly as much as a, a starter typically does because Holly Kurzgeter, you know, got herself 25 minutes still. Um, Kansas is, is rounding into form where you expect them to be. They didn't need Tyana Jackson to score 30 points for them to have an opportunity to win. Um, you know, she didn't get her double-double. Uh, and so, you know, but they were able to find other ways. Chandler Prater was fighting on the inside, doing a lot. Not not like physically fighting, obviously, but um, she was fighting for rebounds. She came in and just made some huge plays for the Jayhawks. And so all in all, it was a fantastic game. The environment was awesome. Um, the the student section did not get their wish to see uh, Chisholm Ajekwu come in at any point in the game. It was too close of a game. And, you know, Coach Schneider talked about afterwards how, he would have loved to get her in. He felt like she deserved to have an opportunity to be able to play in that game. Unfortunately, with how important it was for their NCAA tournament resume, you know, and you know, it just wasn't possible to find a good spot. You know, they were they, uh, even all the way to the last two seconds. It was still within reach for Iowa State, and so unfortunately, Kansas was not able to get her in. But she is the kind of team player, um, you know, that didn't didn't seem to have any kind of issues with it. They all thought it was funny when the student section was chanting very loudly. For Chisholm to get into the game, um, and it just didn't happen. So, but the the field house was electric. There was a lot of support there, and you know the teams showed that you know they 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 talked about how big of an impact it was, what they were able to do, how difficult it was for Iowa State, how much of a boost it was for Kansas, and you know it, it's kind of it kind of stinks to not have the ability to play in Allen Fieldhouse anymore. The women are not going to get to, to host anything um, in the NCAA tournament, and the expectation is that they're going to go there and not the NIT where they would absolutely be hosting stuff. Um, and instead, they're going to go to the NCAA tournament where you want to be and be able to try to make some noise there. It will be a very interesting uh, Big 12 tournament with so many different teams. Like You can look at this Big 12 tournament, and I think you can make a very strong case for every team except for TCU going on a run and winning the tournament to qualify for the NCAA tournament. Kansas could go and win the tournament. They've played some really good games against really good teams, including Texas, including Oklahoma. Um, you know, they weren't able to beat either of those teams this year, but they were really close twice against Oklahoma, really close twice against Texas. Um, you know, they will have an opportunity in Kansas City where it's basically a home, you know, a semi-home game for them. Um, they will have an opportunity, well, except for when they're facing Iowa State because of how well Iowa State travels. But um, they will have a great opportunity to make a deep run to improve that seeding, to get themselves to a point where they could potentially have a good NCAA run. And the team itself is rounding into form. Get Kirby Gator back at full strength, and this is going to be a team that is going to be very difficult to deal with. As Bill Fennelly put it in the uh, you know in, in the press conference afterwards, I don't think any team in the nation is going to honestly look at a Big 12 team in their bracket in the NCAA tournament and be happy to be playing them. They would almost rather play anybody else. Um, it is I, I agree with him. It's kind of ridiculous that... Um, right now, the way everything's lining up, the Big 12 is not going to have anyone host 
uh, which the top 16 teams, the, the, the top 16 seeds get to host a, you know, a first and second round kind of regional um, pod. And the Big 12 isn't isn't in position to do that right now because of how much they beat each other up. Um, that's a shame. This is a, a conference that is really good, and I there I wholeheartedly do not believe that there are 16 teams that are better than every single team in this conference. Um, the Big 12 should have at least three or four teams hosting. Iowa State, um, you know, I think could have a good case for it. Texas could have a good case for it. Oklahoma could have a good case for it. And even a team like Baylor could potentially have a good case for it, although they have struggled this year. There's just a lot of really good teams in this conference. Oklahoma State ha- has a good case as well, but they're them being so close to Oklahoma, I doubt they would do both of them. Um, you know, this is just this is a really really good conference that is making very big strides and having a really good opportunity uh, to show out in the in the NCAA tournament. So, I, I am looking forward to that. Uh, just like I am looking forward to the latest shipment that will be coming my way from sponsor here on the podcast, Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel, the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, joggers, a whole bunch more. I just picked up a whole bunch of stuff on the Kansas Limited Edition um, release that they had. That you know, I picked up some joggers. I picked up that KU, that sweet KU quarter zip. Um, just everything that I was hoping that they would bring for the Jayhawks, they went ahead and did it, and I had to go and get it all. Um, fantastic stuff. I am really excited. I will be repping that. You will be able to see all of that great stuff over on Twitter uh, once it actually gets here. Um, so I'm super excited, and you guys should be super excited as well, because even though the limited release is done, there are still a ton of fantastic gear that you can find that has great vintage college logos, whether it's the Jayhawks or any of the other, you know, 145 odd schools that they have, um, you know, they, they have limited releases for, UC, for USC and UCLA this, this week. Um, not saying that I'm going to actually buy any of them, but if, you know, I were to get my hands on some of them, I wouldn't mind wearing them because they are, they look pretty fantastic. Um, you know, it's hard to find anything from Homefield Apparel that misses. They have a ton of great stuff. Um, so head on over to homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code CHOCK12. You can get 15% off your entire first order, and all orders over $100 have free shipping. Great stuff. Make sure you go out and check it all out um, before, you know, the stuff that you really want is is out of or, or out of stock, and then you have to wait for it because it's great stuff. With tournament time coming up, they are still getting orders done really quickly. Um, and so you can get your hands on some fantastic tournament gear before the tournament gets started and really rep your team with some home field magic. So again, homefieldpower.com promo code chalk 12 gets you 15% off that entire first order and all orders over hundred dollars have free shipping. All right, guys. Um, really excited for what the women have been able to do. I'm really looking forward. I'm going to be in Kansas city covering both the men and women's tournaments all week long. Um, I will be covering every single KU game that they have. Um, unless they make it to the championship game. Unfortunately, I won't be in town if they make it to the championship game. So I'm hoping that there will be a game that I have to miss because Kansas has made it to the championship. And instead, I will be like everyone else watching it from afar and talking about how great it is that they're actually playing in that game. But I will be covering the entire men's tournament, KU and everyone else. Um, So I am looking forward to that. We will have tons of updates for you guys as all of that is going. Uh, Make sure that you are following me over on Twitter for that and that you're following the podcast and, you know, staying tuned to Blue Wings Rising because we're going to have a ton of stuff. This is the best time of the year for college sports. Um, this March Madness, I love this time of year, and we are going to go all out and have a ton of great stuff for you guys. Um, also, not actually talking about it here on the pod, but spring football practice has started, so make sure you're paying attention to that as well. Um, I already have some great quotes about, you know, Jalen Daniels and the rest of the squad, how they are 
they are the team. They are, you know, kind of the system that Andy Kotelnicki and Lance Leipold want to put together. So um, make sure you're paying attention to all the coverage there. We're going to have as much of it as we can over on Blue Wings Rising uh, with, with the size of staff that we have, but definitely want to make sure that you are paying attention to all of the great Kansas action that's happening. Baseball, softball, uh, you know, tennis, track and field. There's just a ton of stuff happening right now. Uh, so make sure you catch as much of it as you possibly can. So we are going to go ahead and, and throw it to a quick break. When we come back, I will be talking with Kyle Davis, my deputy editor over at Blue Wings Rising, as we talk about the men, what they did on senior night, and what we kind of are looking forward to for Saturday. But um, we will be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Brand new for the 2022 season, it's the RVK. We're coming at you two ways on two days. It's Monday and Thursday. Jeremy, JN, Fiend Phoenix, and me, Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We are the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. You get pop culture Monday at 7 a.m. You get the West Virginia University podcast Thursdays at 7 a.m. Either way, no matter what we say, you're going to have fun. So, like we like to tell you, get at your boys. And we are back. I am joined now by my deputy editor over at Blue Wings Rising, Kyle Davis, as we get or do we talk about the men's basketball team. Just got done talking about the women in the first segment I did by myself, but had to bring Kyle on because let me tell you, that senior night game, he was in the house. He was in, in Allen Field House. What was the big thing that you noticed from the like? What's the thing that stands out to you the most about that that game or that experience? Or really, I mean, this isn't your first senior night, I'm imagining. So, anything from this one that stood out? Uh, yeah, it's not my first. Although I, you know, like I, I didn't get a chance to go to too many games as as a kid, so it's still special, and I try not to take it for granted. But this one, you know, this was a quintessential gutted out game from Kansas where they just didn't uh, enough. I never, it was always uh, the entire game, especially in the second half. It was both a mixture of this is way closer than I would like it to be, but I'm not in panic mode yet because I just have confidence in this team, especially in this spot. And you could see it like Jalen Wilson knew when to just put his head down and go. Like Juan was, was just making the right pass on every, every time, you know, Credit to Texas Tech, they came out and knocked down some shots that they were not making in the first half. You knew that was going to happen. But, yeah, it's one of those things where it's just like it, it, even sitting there now when we got into the final minute and, you know, it got down to one, the, the blood pressure spiked a little bit more. But even then, it was one of those things where it's just like I'm, I'm sitting there saying I, they're going to make a play. Like you just feel it in that environment that they're not going to drop that one. So it was um, – you know, early in the game, it it felt like uh, there was a lot of pressing by both teams. I think Grady uh, looked like a guy who knew he was playing his last home game and was trying to be perfect, and the shot was not falling. I was happy to see Kevin uh, get into the swing pretty early on. And then Jalen had, you know, I guess a quick start in the very beginning, a really quiet first half, and then got going, which was nice. And so, yeah, it's... Uh, it was one of those things where just the environment, the fans, the team itself, you just had this feeling, even though it was close and Texas Tech was giving them all they could handle, it just it was hard to see any other outcome happening than what happened. Yeah, I mean, and, and watching it at home, it was a similar sort of you know thing. I mean, this is a team that's been in these tight situations. You know, they just had one against West Virginia in the game before. Um, 
you know, this this team, though, and this senior day reminded me a lot of last year's. Um, not because they were, you know, comp- uh, extremely similar. Like, last year's team had a lot more times where they would um, get far behind and have to come all the way back. And this team has shown the ability to be able to do that, but they've also shown a very good knack of not having to, of, you know, staying in the lead, staying right there so they're not having to come back from 15 down. Now, again, they've shown they can do it if they have to, but but this one has made it so they don't have to. To your point about Grady, like, yeah, I mean, it's he was definitely hyped up. He had definitely had big nerves, <laughs> which is something that a freshman has. Like, it's not unexpected. And especially when you add in, yeah, he, I mean, like last I saw he was projected as going fifth in the draft. So like he is, it's really clear that unless some rant, like completely off the wall thing happens, he is not going to be back next year. And, you know, the last time you get to play in Allen Fieldhouse can be nerve wracking for anybody. Um, but also kind of the expectations of, you know, playing, you know, playing for, for Kevin McCuller senior, you know, see the final game, his senior night. Um, against his former team, you know, a team that when they went down to Lubbock, there was a, some really bad reception. Like, like the fans did not treat him well. From what I understand, the opposing team did not treat him well. Like, there was a there lot was a lot of, of jawing. Uh, yeah, and you could see actually, it was not even. I didn't mean to cut you off there, but it wasn't even. I thought this was interesting to point out. It was not even Kevin. I don't know how much. See, this is why I was bringing up. I don't know how much you could see on the broadcast, but like, I saw Juan getting into it with the the bench. I saw, obviously, Kevin. I saw Jalen making some comments. And you could tell that there was something here that was not even predicated by pregame activities or whatever else. Like, there was something there that – and Kevin, you know, to his credit, played it off as like, oh, you know, like a former team, you know, you got (laughs) to, you know, joke around with them. It's like, I don't think you guys are joking around. But, but, you know. So, like, we saw in the broadcast, saw Juan yelling at the bench, like saying something after his first bucket. Um, and then, of course, we saw the, uh, you know, the the three bow, like the three arrows that, that Kevin yep. shot um, after he made the three. And you could tell, like, when he blocked that ball out of bounds and it went to the, you know, it went. And actually, he, he was asked about that in the in the press conference afterwards um, that I got to watch. Like, you know, he he definitely I think he enjoyed somewhat the ability to, you know, kind of go and stand with those guys. I'm sure that they said something <laughs> to him because the way that 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 game was going back and forth. But, you know, he's also a, a consummate professional when it comes to that in terms of, you know, he's not going to talk bad about them or what they're they're doing. One, because, you know, there's a decent chance they might have to play Texas Tech again in the Big 12 tournament. Like, um, you know, that's not, like, out of the realm of possibility. So um, you definitely don't want to do anything to, you know, upset them that would give them extra motivation. But it's also just, I think, one of those things, he still has a lot of respect for the guys who are there, as he should. Like, Texas Tech that was, is, yeah Yeah. Like, and so... I mean, it was a hard-fought game. I thought coming into the game that it was going to be a close-scoring game, um, you know, that it was going to be kind of this in the 60s, low 70s type of game, almost exactly like we saw. One, because, you know, it was going to take a good Dewan Harris game, but Texas Tech is not a team that is a bad team. They, You know, they have a horrible record in the Big 12 because of how good the Big 12 is, and there's not much that they could do about it, but... You know, they were in a lot of games. They were on a on a hot streak until they barely lost to TCU in a, you know, in a move that I, I don't think they actually should have lost that game the way that they did. So, like, there's a lot of arguments to be made for how good this Texas Tech team is. And, I, you know, so I'm not surprised with all the emotions surrounding it, everything going on. But it came down to, you know, the guys that you expected to come down to. You know, Jalen Wilson having 21 points to lead all scorers. 
Kevin O'Connor having 14 points, including that just absolutely insane scramble for the ball underneath. I saw it's funny because there, there was a bunch of tech guys, right, that that uh, um, over on Twitter that were basically complaining about how, you know, Kevin McCullough came crashing in and, and he should have been called for a foul. The the view we had on the broadcast initially, it looked like it, right? Like you saw and, and, and what the ref um, might have seen, like coming, like looking from that direction because there was a ref over there. And, and honestly, I was afraid he was going to call a foul because it looked like Kevin McCullough goes barreling in and, you know, there's contact between them, of course. But what you don't see is from the other angle, and there's a ref sitting right there underneath it. The ball has is not with that particular Texas Tech player. Like, it's it's a good two feet away from him. He does not have possession of it, and Kevin has just as much right to that ball. But, you know, those are the kind of plays that this team has been able to make to keep them where they need to be. And McCuller, I think, was just the perfect example of how tough this team is. We talked about, you know, McCuller, and, and, and we, we, we've talked about – McCuller multiple times, you know, he is that guy that can do pretty much anything. What they needed in that game on Wednesday was a tough-nosed guy that was going to go after rebounds, was going to bring that energy, and was going to make a play when you needed to, and, and McCuller was able to do that. Yeah, that actually, that, that play happened right in front of me where we were sitting, and it is, and I had the same angle as one of the other refs, and, and that was the thing, too, is that one, because it was Devion Harmon, and the ball's going from left to right, and so automatically so the ball is rolling toward where McCullough is going Harmon's already a little off balance because he had lunged to his right and then was trying to you know basically rebound uh and get back straight and you're right it just looked like Kevin wanted it more than he did and he just looked like like it did not look you're right from our angle like we could not see anything of like a shove or elbow or anything it looked like he just went in there and just grabbed the ball and I I was thinking at the time and everyone in our section was thinking we were so busy focusing on why were you not calling a jump ball when KJ's on the ground because KU had the possession arrow. We all thought it was a jump ball or should have been. And then it, it trickles out and then it's just right time and right place. And I was thinking about this of like, um, Kevin, it feels like I well, first of all, I was very happy for him to have his moment here and to be the one like the block on the other end was huge on O'Banner. Um, this play, it, it, it's, I'm, it's almost like I, it got me thinking about David McCormick in, in the tournament last year of like, if, if there was a guy who fans in the beginning of the year just pounded on more than anyone and were frustrated with because he couldn't hit corner threes and his, he would turn out, had some sloppy turnovers, whatever it was like, Kevin McCullough seemed like that guy. Like you didn't have to go far on Twitter to hear like, Oh, this guy sucks. Why'd we bring him in? Blah, blah, blah. There's multiple games now in big 12 play that he has won by making huge plays at the end for you. And I don't think that's necessarily going to end. I think there's probably going to be a game in the postseason where he's going to either make an incredible defensive stop or go and drive and get an and one or put back or something that's going to cut the game. And it, it reminded me a lot of what McCormick did in last year, where he went from that guy that everyone just loved to like, why aren't you tunking the ball? Just like, you know, what are you doing that everyone liked to frustrate on? And then he's the guy who comes up in the biggest moment. So I was really happy for Kevin that he at least got, one of those moments on senior day. Well, and it also reminded me of, of Jalen Wilson last year because Jalen was a guy that, you know, had a ton of hype and, you know, scored quite a bit when he came back from his suspension last year. Like, he did a ton of different things, and you got close to tournament time, and people were wondering, like, where, you know, where's Wilson? You know, Ochai's tailing off because teams are focusing on him and Wilson's not stepping up. What they were missing is... Wilson was, you know, getting nine or ten rebounds. He was getting three or four assists. Like he was doing a lot of the other things that don't show up as points. And so 
you know, McCuller does a lot of the same sort of things. He does not score a ton of points all the time, but he does so many other things for this team that he is an integral part for them being successful and getting other guys going. And, you know, for him to have that kind of, and, and the best part about that play, I think was those were like that basket gave him a thousand career points, which was just, it was like the perfect kind of play for what he does showing how he contributes to the team and to be able to celebrate it that way was just fantastic. So the one, and there's an evolution there. Like you've, you, we've, we've seen, I think early in the year too, he was settling for jump shots a lot and he was trying to be an outside shooter and he was trying to spread the floor like Grady. And what we've seen is that he is at his best driving toward the basket, drawing fouls, finishing at the rim. Like he's probably, I, I don't know if this is kept track anywhere. I would imagine that he leads the team in and ones, uh, you know, collected because that just seems like that, you know, Grady is the traditional three-point shooter. Kevin McCullough is the and one uh, shooter. And so I think what you've seen also is an evolution and it happened on that play. He is at his best when he is hanging around the basket and when he is going to the basket and he can still, he actually knocked down a couple threes. I was happy to see that go for him. I know his jump shot was actually looking pretty decent, but I think that's kind of that, that maturation over the season as well that he figured out he can't just live on the three point line and he gives this team a new dynamic offensively when he can really drive the basket and finish at the rim. Yeah, for sure. So, so the one guy we haven't talked about yet that we have to Dewan Harris scored 16 in this one, you know, he, he came out hot pretty early um, attacking the basket, doing a lot of different things. And I mean, I, I think it was the motivation that they got for, you know, this is a team I think that well th- th- that we have talked about before is a very petty team, <laughs> you know. We saw that with the with the TCU stuff, um, you know. I, I think this was a little bit of carryover from early in the season when, you know, the reception from McCuller coming back home wasn't that great. So you know, it, it's Harris was electric in this game. He was hyped up. He was you know very active attacking the basket. Still had five assists to lead the Jayhawks, but. You know, I'm thinking of, I believe it was a Grady Dick pass out into, you know, Juan on the wing as he was driving. That uh, was just a huge, a huge layup for him. I think that was towards the end of the game. I don't remember. But that's the the play that sticks out to me that kind of shows how big of an impact he had in this game and what he was doing. He was aggressive, looking for opportunities for him to score, knowing that he needed to do that. And it it filled in perfectly for for a struggling Grady Dick. Yeah, well, and... and Harris is so dangerous because again, from our vantage point, we were, we were the basket that Kansas was going in the second half. And Juan took the exact same angle going right where he finished it off the backboard the first time. And then the second time, the exact same angle. And instead of while everyone's going up with him, he is uh, throwing it behind his head to KJ Adams for a wide open dunk. And so that's where, the fact that he, when he goes downhill and takes that angle, he can now either finish or, uh, or pass it off to KJ or someone else, Jalen at the rim. Like his vision is just probably bar none with anyone else in the com- in, in the country, especially in the conference. I would think, and the fact that now, before you could kind of hedge off him a little bit, knowing that he was going to look to pass it to a trailing KJ or a cutting Jalen or someone. But now that you have to respect the floater and that game, where. It's again, it's like the triple threat. He could either be passing, he could be shooting it or or dribble it out. Like he's going the same way. You have no idea which one you have to respect now the shot. And I don't think people are talking. I think we we like to, I know I've made some jokes on the Twitter account about him and Grady being the new, you know, Splash Brothers 2.0. But he actually is, if you go look at the numbers, 
I know he's not going to take a ton, but he's now taken one more three than he did all of last year. And he's gone from 32% to 43% shooting from three. And in, in Big 12 play, fun fact, your three-point percentage leader in conference play is none other than Dwan Harris at 46.7%. Now, he's only taken 45 of them. But again, he took he took 29 last conference play and he only shot 31%. So I think that I think you're learning that you can't those whole like dare him early in the game just leave them wide open. You're you're leaving a legitimate thread or you know it used to be before where the ball would rotate get to the end of the in the shot clock's running down skip pass over but oh no it's Juan out there is he going to shoot it like now that's a good shot when you move it twice around and get him open so that element of his game I'm, I'm not the jokes you know of comparing comparing him to Grady in terms of shooting are mostly in jest but it really is a credit that has kind of somehow then become undersold about how much improvement he has done at the three-point line well and it's, it's funny too because prior to the West Virginia game I would have said the key to making sure that you know Juan doesn't score a bunch is to make sure that he doesn't get started quickly, right? Like if if he's in the first five minutes doesn't score at all and he's not you like looking to shoot the rest of the game he's going to kind of stay that way. And then we saw the West Virginia game where you know he went in and I, I think it was the West Virginia game where they came out of the half and he had all of his points in the second half. Was that West Virginia or was that Oklahoma? I don't remember now. Regardless. Um, no, sorry, that was Baylor, wasn't it? <laughs> sorry, that was Baylor. They're like yeah. all blending together, but so I mean that Baylor game though showed that, um, you know, you don't or he doesn't have to get started early to be able to then turn it on, and that's a maturation for him because in all of the last years he has been a guy that if you know if, if he doesn't get if he doesn't get hot off the bounce very early in the game it carries over. Um, He's great defensively. He, he's always been great defensively. He's always been able to kind of put that behind him. If a guy beats him off the dribble, then he is back just as a, you know, that like spurs him on. But shooting wise, his confidence has always taken a big hit. This year, it has absolutely not. He is just as confident. Um, you know, when, when they need him to shoot, he is willing to go do it, which is a huge difference. And, you know, it makes this team extremely dangerous. Um, I know that we have to get out of here really soon, but you can go ahead and finish that thought. And then I want to jump ahead to the Texas game real quick. Yeah, no worries. I was just going to say that the, I think the most amazing thing is that it hasn't come at the cost of his distribution. Like he is still, and again, that's where it is. It, it adds a layer. It's not a, it's not a replacing one with the other. It's that now that people have to bite so much, you have KJ Adams suddenly wide open on the weak side, ready for a two handed dunk. Like there's, it's not one or the other with him. It adds to it. And that I would say is, you know, that and his ability to take care of the ball where you see other point guards in the league like like Marcus Carr and and um uh uh Marquise Noel and others struggle with turnovers the f- the fact that what we are now in the last 5 games and he has 5 turnovers while also in that time doing math really quick 26 and 11 he's so basically uh, he's got 37 assists and 5 turnovers in the last 5 games while also scoring in double figures uh, a lot of that time. Like, it's it's really incredible how much his game has rounded up. And then I know we do, don't have a whole lot of time, but the one last thing I did want to call out is that when we were talking about Grady, I don't think you can really undersell how impressive it is that a freshman with the nerves who is struggling from the field as bad as he is then calmly walks to the line and hits four straight free throws in the last two minutes of a close game with everything on the line. Like that is, 
that that is impressive. So I know he he and it's not like his shots were bad. Like they were a lot of those were in and out, hit every part of the rim. Like that's just, you know, what are you gonna do? And I could tell like, he was getting frustrated with himself by the end of it. It was kind of affecting his defense. The fact that then you still have the confidence in yourself and just that like the mental strength to go up when you're when KU's up one or up two with, you know, 45 seconds left and you bury a couple free throws to ice it. I don't think that could go undersold. That was really impressive to me on a night where not other other things were not going very well. Yeah, I mean, and, and even after that 0-5 performance from three, he's still shooting over 40% on the year. So he's still a fantastic shooter. You just have those off nights. So looking ahead to Texas, thank, thanks to the TCU Horn Frogs, and unfortunately for what Juan was saying, you know, after the game, because he wanted this game to matter, um, TCU took care of Texas on Wednesday night, which means Kansas has clinched the uh, outright Big 12 title in the regular season. They will be the one seed in Kansas City, regardless of what happens. And, you know, so they're looking to get two games clear against Texas, you know, coming up on Saturday as they go to Austin um, to close out the season. It's easy, I think, to kind of point to, well, does this game actually even matter, right, for, for the Jayhawks? Like, you know, we saw that a few years ago, I think, where, like, Baylor... They went down to Baylor. It didn't really matter. They ended up losing by like, like eight or nine points because seating was already set. Um, they had health issues, I think, back in that in that time. Like they don't have any health issues right now, as far as I'm aware of. Anyway, um, this is a team I think that has been built on momentum, and so I, I doubt they're going to like roll over and not you know care about how good of a game that they play here. But what what's actually at stake for them in this game then? Yeah, I don't think they're going to either. I think anyone who knows. Bill Self, he even mentioned it when he was doing the senior night introduction, talking about Jalen and his willingness to win. Like, no one's more competitive than Bill Self uh, in the entire Midwest, maybe the country. And I think that Juan, actually, they talked to him and he's like, yes, we, you know, I was rooting for Texas, but, uh, you know, like, we're still going to, we still have something to play for, I think was his quote. And I think um, this isn't a game where there's nothing to play for, especially if you are one of them who feels really strongly about Kansas playing as close to home as possible in the tournament, because I think, so what's at stake, you asked what's at stake, but the Midwest seed uh, and being the number one overall seed and getting to pick the Midwest over potentially having to go out West is what you're playing for. Because I think if you wrap up a 16th quad one win in the regular season, you, you basically get Houston. So it's, there's a very good chance Alabama is going to be in the South, no matter what they want to go to Louisville. It's basically Houston or Kansas. One of them is going to go to Kansas city. One of them is going to go to Vegas out West uh, I, I think if you win this game in Texas, you are the clear number one overall seed and you get to pick where you're going and you get to go from Des Moines the first two rounds to Kansas City in the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight if you make it there. Um, and you're right. I think there's a pride element of this. I think that Texas was one of those two. Like Texas, there was a lot of jawing back and forth uh, between Texas and Kansas in the game in Lawrence. Uh, I was there as well. There's not a whole lot of love lost between like Timmy Allen and them. I feel like you talked about that pettiness. I feel like this team too would love nothing more than to go spoil Texas' senior day when they have Marcus Carr and Timmy Allen and Jabari Rice and all these guys that they're honoring. I think they have five seniors that are going there. I think this group, even if nothing else, like I, I Kansas very well might lose. Texas has only lost once at home all year. They are much better on, at home than on the road. You can say that about almost every other uh, team in the Big 12 outside of Kansas. But so so Texas might just be amped up and they might make a bunch of shots and they might win. But I don't think it's going to be a lack of trying for Kansas. And I think it's both of a 
yes, you do have something to play for in terms of the Midwest and the number one overall. But I also think there's just a little bit of the, like, I think Grady Dick and Jalen Wilson would like nothing more than just to go ruin the party in, in Austin this weekend. So I, I don't think we're going to have a lack of fight on their end. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think that that's a problem at all. Like, I definitely think this is an instant. Well, I mean, I, I would argue that Kansas should be the overall number one right now anyway. Like, I, I mean, yes, Houston is higher in the advanced stats and, you know, they're ranked ahead of them. And, um, you know, Alabama struggled with Auburn um, on Wednesday night, almost lost that game at home in overtime. Um, unfortunately, Auburn was not able to pull it off. I would have really enjoyed that. That would have made it a whole lot easier as well. It's a theme because, this year. Auburn blows late leads like their Baylor playing yeah, in Allen Fieldhouse. Seriously, I mean, it would have been it, it would have been nice too then because it would give Houston an opportunity to go to Louisville and Kansas to you know be in in, in Kansas City. But I, I think this is one of those things where Kansas is going to be really close to home anyway. Um, I have a hard time imagining that they're not going to let them go to Kansas City. They're not going to s- stick them in Kansas City unless Kansas loses this game convincingly against Texas and then loses to Texas Tech or West Virginia in the first round of the Big 12 tournament. Like, this is a team that has proven with the number of quad one wins that they have, the way that they've played, um, you know, they have a really strong, like, they have by far, I think, the best resume, partly because of the, the conference they play in. And so it will be it will be very interesting to see how they handle it, what they end up doing. Um, but, I mean, there's still a ton to play for. They obviously still want to get a championship. Um, you know, they will be fighting for a Big 12 championship in Kansas City. I'm hoping that they go far in that one because I get to go actually go cover it all in person. So it'll be a lot of fun to actually see that um, and, and actually, you know, look up close and see how they handle all of that. So, um, but yeah, I mean, this is a, this is something where um, I think that this is a team that is still extremely motivated. They still believe that nobody actually believes in them, even though they probably have the best resume and honestly should be the overall number one seed. But you know, people have been talking about, you know, what have they actually done? Like, how good is this is this team? And, you know, a lot of people gave the Kansas City Chiefs crap for talking about how nobody believed in them. Um, this is a Kansas team that could do a similar sort of thing, all right? Make it to a national championship and win a national championship, potentially. Um, obviously, a still, still a whole ways to go on that. But, you know, they have a legitimate claim to say that people didn't believe in them because, you know, they weren't picked as the winners of the Big 12. There's a lot of people that were wondering if they were, you know, going to be a top seed in the tournament, if they were going to have a decent shot to make the run. You know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of players had to step up and make big changes in the way that they played and the impact that they had on the court for this sort of thing to be possible. So um, I will be very interested to see how, what what kind of attitude they take into this game against Texas and then into the Big 12 tournament, because I think that's going to tell you a lot about how they're going to perform in the first few rounds of the Big 12, I'm sorry, of the NCAA tournament if they come out just as hungry for those games now that everything's kind of wrapped up for them. So, all right, Kyle, I think that's going to do it for us today. Any other uh, final thoughts before we get out of here for the day? No, we're getting to the best time of year. Enjoy exactly. it. Just, uh, yeah, take, get some, you know, get multiple screens. I, if you don't have the multiple TVs, get in, get an iPad, get your computer going. There's, they're starting the, the mid-major conference tournaments. It's, it's a, it's a good time to enjoy yeah, some food. You can get a laptop, an iPad, a phone, and a TV. You know, there you go. You got four. So <laughs> all set. All right. Well, that is going to do it for us today. Kyle, thank you so much for joining me. And thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please do go out wherever you get your podcast, whereas Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast. You can subscribe as soon, uh, and, and get every episode as soon as it comes out. 
you give us a rating and review, five stars, nice comments, it'd be absolutely fantastic. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys, get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, contact us by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are part of the Central Podcast Network covering all teams in the Big 12 Conference, including all the new ones that are coming. We are getting really close to filling out the roster and having one for every single team. But um, go over to 1012network.com to get links to all those great shows. Um, make sure you visit our sponsors, Homefield Apparel, uh, Prize Picks. Use promo code CHOP12 to get some great deals over there. Um, and th- that's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.